Yaakov Avinu had been for decades, for two decades, by base Lavan, by the house of Lavan's house, and he's living there, working for Lavan. It's no picnic, working for a boss who's a liar, but that's the life, and he's working for Lavan, but Pacha Sayyaser, it's at least peaceful there. Lavan's nice to him, Lavan's gains. Deceitful Lavan gains from Yaakov's hard labor. And Yaakov's there, married to Rachel and Leah, Yaakov's there. One day, Vayishma's divre b'nei Lavan lemer. He starts hearing murmurs. He starts hearing Lavan's children speaking. He's Yishma's divre b'nei Lavan lemer. He hears Lavan's children talking. And they're saying, Lokach Yankov is kolashar la'avinu. He overhears. It's very interesting, Yonatan. If we're sitting in this base medrash, this, the afternoon the base medrash is rocking these days. There's chabura, Yankees chabura, Menachem Shlita's chabura, Martha Fayim, this chabura. So the base medrash is rocking. Chaim Tzvi has brought the whole place on his shoulders. And the place is rocking. This knocking second seder. Yonatan, if you're in a packed room... If a guy says certain words, if a guy says your name in a packed base medrash, people, are, I love that you said it, Jonathan. If a guy says your name in a packed base medrash, you hear him. Somebody in the corner, Yonatan's listening to a shear, he's pounding, he's at Yaki's shear. I love that scene. And a guy in the other corner says, Yonatan's case, music is like magical. Like, what, what, what? You hear them. You hear your name. We all, does anybody, a word of the day is algorithm. What is an algorithm? An algorithm is a system that you have in place to figure things out. It's called an algorithm. Please somebody look on their phone, a translation, Yonatan K. Uh, thank you, Chaimel. What is Every every system has an algorithm. Sammy, say the word algorithm. Algorithm. Good. Jonathan, you have the word algorithm. Is a system of rules, and every yeshiva has their own algorithm. How do you solve problems? You have your system of rules. Our brain is programmed with an algorithm. We all have our own individual ways we program our brain. We tell our brain, Avi, what words are important to us. We program our brain. By me, if any guy in the basement, I am such a warped individual. If a guy in the left corner says the name, he says Jacob de Gram. I'm like, what? What, what, what? I'm like there in a minute. I heard him say the Met star picture. My brain is programmed to hear. We all have different programs. We're all programmed to hear our own name. Everybody, one of your favorite words in the, in the language is your own name. We all love hearing our own name. So we program our brain to hear our own name. And then we all have our unique things we like hearing. One guy here is Biggie mentioned, and he's in a crowd. Somebody said, Biggie, what, what? You hear him say that. One guy says, Noah Syndergaard, you hear him say that. One guy's Stanton, you hear him say that. Boss Shoes, we all have our own algorithm, our own rules. Now, Shlomo, it's fascinating 
the implications of this. If you understand the brain is so powerful, it obviously means, Yonatan, what does that mean? I'm sitting here learning with Yosef, and somebody says, Jacob de Gram, and I heard him. Somebody, Yonatan K is sitting at Rabyaki Shear, and somebody says his name and heard him. You hear it. It means that you heard everything said in the room. It can't be you only hear your name. You're sitting here, Daniel, and your ears are listening. It can't be you just heard that. What it means is you hear everything. But we have our subconscious brain, our conscious brain. The subconscious brain has a deal with your conscious brain. Your conscious brain says, listen, I can't focus on everything I hear. It's too annoying. It would make me crazy. So I only want you to bring my conscious brain relevant information. Well, conscious brain, what's relevant? And your conscious brain talks to your subconscious brain, and that's called your algorithm. It gives it a set of rules. Anything about the Mets is relevant. If I hear a guy say Cone now, he could be he's talking about Baruch Cone from Ansi. I'm assuming it's the Mets' new owner who might come to Shabbos in a few weeks. That's what I'm assuming he's talking about. We're a very Jewish team. We have Nayach and Yankov pitching. Now we have a, we're working on a minion by us. But the bottom line is I hear a guy say Cone, and right off the bat, I'm assuming the Mets' owner. The conscious brain tells the subconscious brain what's important and it feeds it all the important information from the subconscious brain to the conscious brain and then the conscious brain press. That's what it means. So amazing. This brain is incredible. You hear everything, but you're not interested in most things. Your own name, you perk up. Yaakov Avinu is by base lava, and he hears a lot of things. But he hears him talking about Yaakov, so you perk up. All of us are that way. When we hear what we're being discussed, so then, then we perk up. And your name is a very big one, Moyo. We always like it. All of us, no matter what your algorithm, your own name is in there. Somebody says, Moyo, you hear it in a full base smash. You heard everything. But your conscious brain is told by your subconscious brain, this is an important one. And it tells you. There are diseases. There's the name of a disease. I forgot what it's called. Where the subconscious brain puts everything into the conscious brain. And they can't concentrate. They're listening. They hear everything. Just an overload. It's very, very difficult. They can't be in a room with many people talking. We have an amazing feature that we could tune out other things. And what's background noise and frontward is amazing the brain. Anyway, there's all no shaykhahs. Just made me think, because Yaakov hears, Yaakov is sitting by, by Lovan's house, and he hears the B'nai Lovan talking about him. He hears background noise. And the B'nai Lovan say, Lokach Yankov is kol asher lavinu. Yaakov's rich, he got it from our father. Now this is such a chutzpah. Yaakov was brutally honest, Yaakov was remarkably Ehrlich. He's honest worker. He's crazy honest. Lavan has stolen from him. He has never taken a penny from Lavan. And Lavan, if anything, has stolen from him. And Lavan's sons say, Lakach Yaakov is kolasher lavinu. Yaakov has stolen all that belongs to our father. All this honor, he's a rich, 
man. It's all taken from Lovin. Now, it's amazing what a lie. I'm getting mad listening to Lovin's kids speaking. Pipe down, Lovin's kids. Because Yaakov is honest, and it's a bunch of baloney. Yaakov has worked hard. You will see a principal life from Armisechta. In Kedushin, there's the rule, kol ha-paisel, whoever knocks others, bimumay paisel. You tend to knock others with your same floor. Aganov always says that others are stealing. What a guy is guilty of, he tends to impose, and he tends to see in others, kol ha-paisel, bimumay paisel. When you knock others, you tend to knock others with your own floor. And Lavan's sons, who are a son of a gun of a thief, they see robbers when it's not even there. And they say about Yaakov Avinu, he stole all that he has, he's taken from our father. So all of a sudden, what was once a very friendly place to be, Lavan's house, his father in law was a gun of Yaakov Avinu, but it doesn't say he was bad to him. It was a you know, it was presumably a, a fairly pleasant place to be. All of a sudden, Lavan's kids are saying bad stuff. And Yaakov Avinu sees the face of Lavan. It's no longer with him the way it was yesterday. Lavan himself, he could see, doesn't want him there. He has that sense. Yaakov senses he doesn't like he doesn't want me here anymore. That's the pasuk. So the pasukim describe Lavan's kids. Yaakov is being hosted by his father-in-law Lavan. He's there for many, 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 many years, two decades, and all of a sudden, Lavan's kids are chirping lies. They're saying lies about Yaakov Avinu. All his wealth is stolen from our father. Lavan himself. Vayar Yaakov is pnei Lavan. Vinei nenu imay ketmal sholshem. Lavan looks just all of a sudden he no longer likes Yaakov Avinu. Vayoyimer Hashem el Yaakov. Hashem then comes with a prophecy to Yaakov Avinu and Nevoah. Vayoyimer Hashem el Yaakov. Hashem says to Yaakov, Shuv alert sabaysecha. Go back to your father's household. It's time to return to Eretz Yisrael. And to your birthplace. I'll be with you, Avi. God says to Yankov, it's time to go back to your birthplace. Yaakov speaks to Rachel and Leah and eventually returns to Eretz Yisrael. My question to everybody here that I want to ask and I want answers from the Hebrew. My question to the Hevra, there's a piece in Reb Moshe that this is similar to, this is not Reb Moshe's kasha, don't mix it up, Chensvi. My question is, that why does it say, Yonatan, Yaakov's living by base Lavan for years and years. Hashem says leave, and he leaves. There seems to be no importance to the fact that Lavan's kids were chirping, and saying stupid things, lies. Love on himself no longer wants Yaakov there. It doesn't seem relevant to the story. God comes and tells Yaakov to leave. And Yaakov tells his wife, and they end up leaving. 
Why does it bring Yaakov notice? If Yaakov noticed that really my father-in-law doesn't want me here anymore, his kids are chirping, and Yaakov decided to leave, okay, that's why he left. If you look at the story, why did Yaakov leave base Lavan? Because God said so when he left. Why does it bring in the Torah? There doesn't seem to be any significance, Viggy, that it looked bad there. It felt bad there. He was suffering bad things. I want to hear, Yonatan, you hear my kasha? It seems to be extremely irrelevant. I challenge anybody, read the parsha. The parsha describes Yankov facing just weird things. It got weird all of a sudden by Lovin's house. Lovin's kids are chirping. You picture the scene. You're like hosted by somebody's house and the kids are all turned against you. They're whispering. <laughs> it's not, not too geschmack, not super geschmack. They're saying lies and stupidity. Lovin himself, you could sense, I don't think I'm wanted here anymore. <laughs> okay. And then Hashem says, Yaakov, it's time to leave and Yaakov leaves. Why did it bring Shlomo the first part of the story? What, of what significance is it that the kids were murmuring? Of what it doesn't, and you, you there's not the Torah doesn't give any further details about that. It got uncomfortable. God said, "Leave," and Yaakov left. What was this? What's it bringing out that it got uncomfortable? That's oh, interesting. It got uncomfortable. Interesting. What's Hashem saying to you and I? Why is this recorded? What did I learn from that? What is it? Hashem said leave and Yaakov leaves. Is it comfortable, not comfortable? It turned a little uncomfortable, I hear. Of what point is Hashem making that it got uncomfortable? I want to hear Alter. He just raised his hand first. Yonatan and Alter. Yonatan. Everybody hears the question. Moyo, you hear the question I'm asking? Shalom. You hear the question? Obviously, we'll all take off coats. The year will go much, much better. A little quirk. Off with the coats, Hever. No coats, no coats, of course. We're getting warmed up, Hever. Let's go. Okay, perfect. Aaron, Aaron, you hear my question? Of what significance is the Tyra recording? Daniel, you hear what I'm asking? Yonatan. It's not two separate things. The, it's a response to the fact that the situation in Eleven got bad, so now Hashem's telling him leave. But originally, maybe I'll go back. So, is that the reason Hashem said leave? I don't know. But maybe. Yonatan like said, said maybe this is why Hashem said leave. Give me a reason. God didn't just say leave. Hashem also. It's funny you points out that Yaakov notices it, and the Pasuk says it by Yar Yaakov. It's funny, it's not that, if Yaakov didn't notice it, it wouldn't matter. Yaakov notices it's bad, and God sees the same thing. He was Mechav, and Hashem said, I, Yaakov, in case he just noticed, I also, it's funny, it almost seems not significant that Yaakov noticed it. If the Pesukim would even say, by the way, see, if Yonatan was right, that's why Hashem said to leave, it wouldn't say Yaakov noticed it. The Pesukim should say, love and, it shouldn't speak about what Yaakov, it doesn't matter if he noticed it or not. If the Psukim would say Lavan's kids started berating Yaakov, Lavan himself was sick of having Yaakov, Hashem said to Yaakov, leave, I would have no caches. Then it's recording. Since it got all bad there, so Hashem said, Yaakov, I love you, leave. 
It doesn't say it as in a fact that it got all bad there. It said Yaakov noticed it got bad. Vayar Yaakov is pnei love and vinei nenuim. Vayishman Yaakov heard this. Hashem said leave. Why does it say Yaakov heard them chirping? If Hashem just said leave because it wasn't comfortable, so who cares if he sees or notices? Hashem said. So, it seems there's something else being told. The altar, we're getting to Aaron Chaim, altar. But I love what you said, Yonatan, a lot, and we're going to handle further. We're going to handle further. Altar. So altar said brilliantly that Yaakov Avinu, despite the Torah is speaking about the loyalty of Yaakov, Yaakov was told by prophecy to go there. His mother told him to go there. And he went loyally to what his mother commanded, because that was the Ratz and Hashem. Yaakov noticed it's bad, and he's not going to leave. Hashem said leave, he left. So it's pointing out, despite that he noticed, he waited for the command of Hashem, and didn't act on his own. Beautiful shot out there. Beautiful shot. We're two for two. Yonatan and Alter. Two for two. Aaron, keep the streak going. Let's go. I was going to say something to Alter. It's not that just now he noticed. It's not that all of a sudden they started saying things about Yaakov. They were saying this the whole time. You waited for Hashem to tell you. So Aaron and Alter, two G'dayla Mechavin to the same thing, that he heard it for a while. It doesn't say how long. He noticed this. Good. The Torah is even pointing out that he wasn't, but he had a command to be there. Things were tough. He wasn't going to leave. Hashem said, then he left. Beautiful pshat with three for three. Chaimel. Parents beforehand, Avram and Yitzchak, you know, they, they had this service. I'm saying Avram had this service. And it's like, okay, this is one of the things that Hashem wants me to deal with. And he's going to go at it full force. We're four for four, Chavra. We're four for four. We're four for four. I want the Chavra to know. That's not what I'm talking about. I want you to all know this. I want you to know this. Please understand this. In our own lives, is not what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk in a second. Please, everybody understand, I beg you to understand, when you have a challenging roommate, a challenging situation, you can be like, oh, I'm so frustrated, this, all the challenges are designed by Hashem. When it's recorded in the Torah, Stam, giving a picture, all the events of the greats, they're designed by Hashem. We had a guy, one of the great all-timers in Waterbury, his name was Mati Dahan, gave the following visual I ask you to listen. He used to say this often. It's delicious. Please listen to this visual. But then I want to get back to these psukim. We were just four for four. I want to tell you a different shot and share something with the chever. But Mayor Mati Dahan used to say, picture a yeshiva, picture this chever. Please, Daniel, Ralph, picture the following thing. Sammy, listen to this from Mati Dahan. This is incredible. Avi said, Mati Dan, picture in Yeshiva Bachar who has the worst mattress in Yeshiva. It's like he would love Yeshiva, but he has the worst mattress. Then, to boot, besides that, he has a, everybody is a certain he has his bad mattress. He has a roommate that snores. There is very few things that are as frustrating as a roommate who snores loudly and consistently. He snores. It's like... It's very overwhelming. My roommate says he's a roommate snores, poor mattress. The food in yeshiva is delicious, but the cook always sees the cook's favorite go-to dish is a dish he's allergic to. 
And he has a series of frustrations in yeshiva. He loves it. And, he, and the leagues are so geschmack, but he punk has the captain who has some oddity he doesn't like. Whatever. He, just things he has in yeshiva that become frustrating to him. Said Mati Dahan, one day, he's a naughty guy, and he breaks into the principal's office. I asked Mechila that you can't do it here. The principal has no office. <laughs> but the guy breaks into the principal's office. <laughs> he sneaks in the principal's office. Basically, come into the base. You're all invited to break in. My papers are just the tests that the older guys took. If you want to steal them, please mark them. I only marked Chaim Svi so far, and he got a perfect paper. But anyway, the bottom line is, <laughs> the bottom line is, is that a guy breaks into the principal's office, and he finds a write-up eon on every single guy in the yeshiva, a detailed report, hundreds of pages long, on every member of the yeshiva, qualities and flaws. And then there's a detailed plan for every quality how to bring it out, and every flaw how to correct. The guy is like a little inflexible, and he's purposely bought more expensive, a junkie mattress. You fa- the principal found in China the perfect junkie mattress to work on his form of flexibility. He's very intolerant of people, and he has a whole cheshben. He finds the exact guy who snores just so to help you be more tolerant and understanding of another person who has a problem breathing, who has you know, some sleep problem, sleep apnea or something. And he has like a series and every single challenge you find is like knowing you exact and working. You sit in the office, you're just like dazzled. You, all those things you were like so upset and frustrated by, you like can't believe it. They're all you're reading about every challenge, how it was made just for you. That's us and Hashem. That's us and Hashem. Very, very cool to understand that. What I want to say here, Rabbi Isai, about this situation that Lovin finds himself in is that to the superficial eye, Yaakov's by Lovin's house, and all of a sudden life turns really bad there and uncomfortable. All of a sudden it's so frustrating. And then Hashem came and said, Yaakov, I want you to leave. Hashem talks through prophecy, there's such a way, and sometimes Hashem talks through details. It's possible Hashem made a crazy situation as a way of saying, leave. It actually assisted him, helped him. Instead of it, at first it looked like such a tragedy, such a difficult, very similar to Yonatan. At first, it looked so difficult, that's how Hashem said to leave. Hashem was talking and saying, leave. He notices it's bad. Hashem's talking to him. All the things, of course, then Hashem said openly, Yaakov, I want you to leave. But the lesson to us, where Hashem doesn't always say openly, I want you to leave, is events happen in our life that if we would only hear Hashem talking, He's saying something. And all the things that seem to have turned wrong, that look so bad, 
We're just Hashem saying, Yaakov, I want you to leave. He literally, when I think about it, he literally made it easier to leave. It was like a blessing. Things all of a sudden get bad. He's like, what's happening? I, I, I guess I have to leave. Hashem says, Yaakov, I want you to leave. Ah, ah. If we would only hear the voice that Hashem saying, I want you to leave. A guy's dating a girl and she says no. Oh, he's broke. But if he would only hear Hashem said, oh, there's not the shidduch I had in mind for you. And bringing him to a better place, to something I want for you. So often the events in our life that even appear to be negative or frustrating, we're just Hashem saying, Yaakov, I want you to leave. What looked like so brutal, you're by Lovin's house, all of a sudden his kids are chirping, all of a sudden Lovin himself does, and then the next Pasuk, Hashem says, Yaakov, I want you to leave. It's like, ah, I noticed things were getting bad here. I was wondering about that. Now, we don't always have the luxury of prophecy, my friends. We don't have prophecy anymore. But maybe we can hear in events often Hashem talking. So I, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, when he learned Torah, he used to read a Mishnah. So he would say, Hashem says, He read Torah that Hashem's talking. I try to do this once in a while. When I read a Pasuk, I say, Dan. So Hashem is saying to me, Dan, Hashem's talking to us. I think in events of our life, if the guy would finish off, he's dropped in a shidduch, Hashem, so Hashem said, buddy, I want you to look for the next shidduch. Oh, oh, I hear. Hashem who loves me more than I love myself. Hashem who's yodeya asidus, Hashem who cares me is telling me something. What looked like a horrible turn of events, but when you hear Hashem then say, Yaakov, I want you to leave here. Like, ah, okay, it got bad here just in the right time. He doesn't want me here anyway. It actually was a way of detaching me from here. Now, we don't always get, we don't today get prophecies, so we don't have the follow-up voice. But maybe we can hear it anyway. Maybe we can understand it anyway. It was actually a bracha. That which looks horrible, Lovin's kids are chirping, it's so uncomfortable. Yaakov, I picture, comes home and says, Lovin said, we've all been in a house where we detected we weren't wanted. You, you want out, this is crazy, this is such a tragedy. And it, it wasn't a tragedy at all, Hashem wanted him out of Lovin's house. And he actually made Lovin get tired of Yaakov, made Lovin's kids chirp. And it was actually setting the stages because, Yaakov, I don't want you here anymore. I think if we can try in our lives what Rabbi Yisrael Salanter did when he learned that he said, I wonder if we can work. It's frustrating when the girl says no. Can we work on ourselves to say, and Hashem said, look for a different girl. Hashem, who knows us, who knows what's good for us, who knows what we need, said to look for... Ah, okay, I hear, I hear. So many events of our life, Hashem is guiding and leading us. Mayor, I love looking. I love collecting. I don't say it's always clear to us this, because it's not. I'm not a pretend person. And many things we don't know why. I like collecting, Mayor, events in my life that Hashem led me kicking and screaming somewhere. I'll give, I'm going to give you a simple one that's relevant to everybody here. 
Rewind five and a half years ago as the yeshiva, the government, threw us out of Waterbury. <coughs> Could you understand? We had, close, we had 180, 170 Bachram. We're starting up this man in three weeks and there is no Waterbury. I'm not, I can't, there's no exaggeration, there is no yeshiva. It became clear in the entire state of Connecticut that we can't be in Connecticut. We called and tried, I should say state, the city of Waterbury. All the rebellion live in Waterbury, and it became clear there is no yeshiva of Waterbury. <coughs> now, we were there for seven years as a high school, and all the seven years, I had told the guys, I promised many, it was a beautiful place, over the seven years, I asked Mechila from the yeshiva many times. I said to the guys that I'm so sorry. The neighborhood where the dorms were was a tough neighborhood. The dorm itself was not a very well-kept building. And many times I apologized. I said, you guys are worth it, worthy of a palace. You deserve a beautiful campus. One day I'll get you a beautiful campus. I said, I even, I, what? Oh, I drove, I had a dream campus that I always thought was going to be the yeshiva. I drove many of the chevra to this dream campus, and I used to show them the future. I went in there and spoke to the people there, asking them, they were selling, talking about price different times, and I always, there were reasons we couldn't go, and I always like drove guys through this campus. It's still around, it's right near Blue Ridge. Once I'm gonna show Dan, I used to show guys the tour of the campus, it's gonna be the guys. Beautiful. It looked like half as gorgeous as Durham, but it was beautiful. It was mamish beautiful. It was half as beautiful as Durham. And I always told the guys, I drove many, many a guy right through the campus. I just was trying to say, I want a beautiful place for the guys. Comes seven years ago, comes five and a half years ago, and it becomes clear we're tossed out of Waterbury. I was kicking and screaming. I told my wife, what does Hashem want from us? My wife says, faith. I was so frustrated. I think we have a good thing. People are getting close to Hashem. And unceremoniously, we were tossed out of Waterbury. And there was nothing zoned for a boarding school in Waterbury. My wife and I called, my wife called nursing homes. We were desperately trying to buy something so we could put the yeshiva there. Everything was a dead end. There were little, we went to look at the Stanford Yeshiva. Stanford Yeshiva moved to Muncie. Now, how we're going to run a Yeshiva in Stanford? All the families live in Waterbury. Are we all moving there? The Rebbeim aren't going to be there. We looked at a building that was toppling over, it was barely standing. The Stanford Yeshiva was quite well used. <laughs> And we looked there. I, I didn't even know what's going to be the yeshiva. The guys were texting me all the while. I'm getting texts. The way the dorms worked, there was the B floor, C floor, and D floor. And guys, Rebbe, can I have B four, B six, C three? <laughs> I don't know what to text back. There ain't no C, ain't no B. There's no C. There's no B. There's no yeshiva. The pressure. I don't know what's going to be it. I feel I could have 60 guys in my house, 70, 170. I don't know how that's going to work. Who's going to sleep where? It just, <laughs> how is this going to work? And the pressure was intense. And I had Amuna questions. Hashem, what do you want from us? What do you want? Yitzra Benowitz Shlita, that, that friend of the yeshiva, the backbone of our yeshiva, was one of the board members of the yeshiva. Some guys here know him, that's sad. 
cares tremendously about our yeshiva. He finds a campus. It's a long story for itself, but he finds a campus in Durham, in Durham, Connecticut. And with Siyad Nishmai, three weeks to this man, we, we move on to this campus. I'm not Megasm. Day one, till this year, we don't have, a, the whole year we have buses to and fro the campus. Day one, parents bring up the guys to the campus. When the parents came to the campus, parents were blown away. We had been in a different type of city. All of a sudden, it's a beautiful city, whatever. The yeshiva was in a tough part of the neighborhood. Day one, parents are bringing up their kids to Durham. They're looking at me. You know what you do? You have this on lockdown, Kalish. You know, this gorgeous campus. I'm like greeting everybody. Like, you know what you're doing, Kalish. I'm like, like, this is amazing. They're looking around, parents. Like, you, you have this gorgeous, they go into the gym. The guy's minds are blown. And you real, you've mamish. What a leader. You've led the Hevra to a beautiful place. And you picked it out with deep thought. <laughs> And parents are like shaking their head, like looking with like, oh, you should. Meantime, I was kicking and screaming, questioning Hashem, had Amuna problems, and he was, Kalish, be quiet, I'm driving you to Ilum Haba, I'm taking you to like dream, I'm going to bring you to bliss, I'm, I'm pushing the Garden of Eden we're going to. Like I, so many times in our life, there are guys who've described to me being thrown out of the yeshiva, it's very dark. To be rejected from yeshiva, the world is like over and you're nowhere. You're nowhere. You, guys have described to me the darkness of being nowhere. A guy asked me, do I owe a curse to my menial? He threw me out. He saved my life. I came here. He wanted to know, maybe I, owe my, maybe I should go back and buy him a huge gift. You saved my life by, make, by throwing me out of your place. I came to a place where there's love, respect, where there's chaos. You saved my life. How many times in our life, kicking and screaming, were we brought to everything we need? I don't say it's always that way and we always say it, because it's not true. That's not how this world works. I say we have many instances in our life we can see it. And we can learn the lessons of Hashem Ra'i, Hashem's my shepherd. We can see that he doesn't always make it so apparent. But there are many times where we are led. I marvel looking right now in front of me. I marvel, I'm looking around at amazing people. And I marvel at the GM that Hashem is, what he put together. I marvel the greatest general manager in history. You know, a general manager is, uh, makes a team. You couldn't design a cooler, better, more special group of people. And the odds are, Mayor Amir, what are the odds we would be together? And just, he, he writes me horrors that are brilliant. Yesterday, the second part of the schmooze was ridiculous, and he pointed it out to a T, what should have been said and could have been said. Where do we come, Rabbi Saitab? Beautiful, precious people, intelligent, sophisticated. Hashem organized it all. With Nisim, Moya, what's the odds? We're best friends are together sitting at the dining room table. Five years ago, six, wait, he's in Harnof, I'm in who knows where. We're all like in Nisim from Tinek to get Yonatan came. Nisim, Nisim, Moyo from here from Eretz Baltimore. Sammy Tav, Sammy, Nisim, 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 Hashem works together. We have to open our eyes to see the hand of Hashem. 
we have to see the Hashkachas Hashem certainly, certainly utilize events of our life where we were kicking and screaming and Hashem was just like saving our lives. He just was saving our lives and we were kicking and screaming to see the Yad Hashem L'Toiv in our life. This story in the Parsha energizes me. Yak, things get weird. And then Hashem says, I have big plans for you, Yaakov Avinu. Go to your homeland. Go to Eretz Yisrael. Build your family. I have big vision and big plan for you. I want to do, Rabbi, so I have much more we have to study on the parish. We're not nearly done. My close friend, Rev Josh Zajic, here. We're friends. Rev Joshua, I wait. I made a whole trick. We... <laughs> It's a long story. We've been saying, the yeshiva is packed. We've been saying, the phone's ringing off the hook. His nephew wants to see the yeshiva. They can come today, tomorrow, and the next day. I want to do some music for Reb Josh Chaimel. Could you do, Chaim, come to the front. Where's Aryeh Barnett? I need him to sit on, I need him. Where's Aryeh? Come on, you toy, Aryeh. Where is it? Whoever put that drum in the bass medrash, bless your soul. Where is it? Oh, we need that. Josh, this is for you, Rev Josh. Rev Josh, where's Rev Josh? Check this out.
Rabbi Sai, just three minutes. I want to tell you about a word. Rabbi Sai, I just want to talk about a picture for three minutes that Yehuda Krupka drew in the yeshiva and share a trick we spoke about yesterday about um, that there are hacks to the system. Just an Aitza for many things that we could do, many, many things in our life that I think is a hack to the system, Mayor. Obviously, I'm calling it a trick. It's hardly a trick, but an Aitza Taiva that helps us, a value, not a trick. The guys know that I can handle, I like clean speech, and the SH curse word is like my wor- one of my worst words in the world. I, have tro- I don't want to say it to you. Of course, I'm talking, I'll just spell it. S-H-L-E-P is a horrible word. And I want to explain why it's a horrible word. The S-H curse word. And I want to explain why it's horrible. I always say if I make a simcha, we come from Waterbury to simchas. People always assume, I laugh. We'll go to a simcha in Muncie. Waterbury's an hour and a half from Muncie. But the average person assumes Waterbury is further than the North Pole. So you came from Waterbury. People who drove further distance than me to a wedding will say, you came from Waterbury. As if you like took like two planes and a train. I didn't say South Africa. I said Waterbury. It's an hour and a half away. You drove further, by the way. But somehow people assume you came from far. And David, they'll ask you, did you S-H-L-E-P to the wedding? And I, all I say is if, you, if I make a simcha and you have to S-H-L-E-P to my simcha, please don't come. Because when you're excited to go someplace, it's easy to go there. The Pasuk says, Vayisa Yaakov Raglov. Yaakov carried his feet. That's obviously a very weird thing to say. Vayisa Yaakov Raglov. Yaakov carried his feet. Didn't his feet carry Yaakov? His feet carry him. His ra- Why does it say he carried his feet? So Rashi said he had Besurais Toivais, Mishanis Basar Besura Toiva, Shehuftach Bishmira, Nasa Libayas Ragla, the Nasa Kalalechas. When he had the good news that Hashem was going to be with him, Shlaima, it became easy to travel. His heart was excited by the Besura that Hashem was going to be with him. The Nasa Kalalechas, easy to travel. I want to say, that there are many things we do in our life, I'll say with childbirth, that people forget to remember mission. They're all different tricks. I know parents who want to work on more savlanas patience, and they want to be more patient, understanding of their, tr- of their children, of their family, of their charges. They forget to get excited about having a child again. And their tricks, instead of working on savlanus, you, I always say is the try harder method and try smarter. Try harder is, come on, more patience. And like a harder pressure cooker. By the way, one time when your kid's sleeping, just sit in the room and remember your dreams of having a child. Remember your, and just look at your child sleeping. Remember your prayers to have a child. 
Remember the schos, the great delight of what it means to raise, to be trusted by Hashem, to raise in Eved Hashem. As, just as a visual of this, you have a storekeeper who's very, very busy, and he can curse and be all upset. Um, you made a store and you're making millions of dollars. Like, remember all your money. All this work is turning into your clothing, your kids' clothing, your house. This is, so you're sitting, you can work on your patience, or you can, I, I don't call this a trick, you could actually get into your lathe and remind yourself a mission. I can ca- people can catch themselves. Somebody's a Rebbe. You get in the grind. You're running, you're running. You're, you forgot to remind yourself why and what. You forgot to get excited again. I like playing certain songs sometimes on the way to Yeshiva. And it, it fires me up to get excited about the mission again. You reignite and reinvigorate the lave, and that which is hard becomes easy. Akiva Balsam spoke that if you would tell somebody to do all the things to a child that parents do, it would be impossible. I want you to do, and you'd name all the things. Call yourself a dad and it becomes easy. It's like natural because you identify as a dad. He was talking about identity. I'm talking about the excitement of mission. If you capture, it's very possible for you, for you to carry your feet. If you remind yourself, you go to a chasna, you are SHing to the wedding, SHLEPing to the wedding. If you forgot, one second, there's a family simcha. This is, this is a simcha. We, we, you daven for, a guy could daven for two years for, for his friend to get married. He forgets what he's doing, why he's doing. We're like born to go to Simchas, to celebrate each other's happy occasions. If we're Reichesh Delev, if we harness up our hearts, ignite our hearts, get in touch with our hearts, so many tasks that we find difficult become easy. Once you capture your Lev, it's like Kalaleches, it's easy to travel. You can watch two rebbeim or two people in any field, and one is like functioning almost effortlessly because he's captured his lave. The person defines himself as a dad, remembers he's a dad, his mechazic mission of dad. The body moves naturally and almost effortlessly. If you don't identify as that, if you don't perceive yourself as such, then you are fighting yourself. You could be a person whose feet carries you or whose heart carries you. Your feet carries you, you are flapping somewhere. You don't want to go, you're like fighting yourself. Any wedding I'd feel like that, I probably wouldn't go. The only wedding, like, the worst type of wedding to go to, and maybe there you can call a schlep. There's certain places you go to that they do, are not happy you're there, but it's only bad if you don't go. You ever had such a wedding? They're not happy there, but if you don't go, what a chutzpah you didn't come. You know what I mean, Max? Those are the worst ones. You want to go to a wedding? Yeah, yeah, the other occasions. <laughs> yeah, the other events like that. Events like that. Maybe, but if you can capture the reason you're going, if you can get a sense of mission and purpose, your body will move by itself. If you can gain that identity and get your heart 
and your mind to attach to identity. At the point you identify as a dad, your body will naturally you wipe your son's nose like nothing. Another kid's nose, wipe his nose. It's your own kid, it's nothing. Your body will move effortlessly because you've captured your heart, your mind, your identity. Your body will go on its own. Because you have that perception, your heart, as your mind has been captured. Your mind is into this. At the point you identify, I'm a husband, your body will naturally care for your wife. It becomes natural, instinctive. There's so many areas you end the fight with yourself when you identify, when you take the time to win your mind and win your heart. And when people don't do this and they forget, they forget to fall in love with, with the mission again. They forget to reignite the mission. I like calling meetings of the staff here from time to time. I want people to get excited by the mission once again. And then the actions and the efforts become effortless. Your body will almost go on its own towards that which your mind and heart have decided. Your body will move naturally. That's what it does. That's what fathers do. That's what husbands do. It's when you didn't take the time to adapt, to accept, to get fired up by the mission. There are people who are trying to do actions of fathers without igniting fatherhood. Without identifying as a dad. That's murder. It's impossible. Everything you're doing, you're flipping. Because your, your body is fighting what, you're, what you feel, what you sense. At the point that you get your lave, Yehuda Krupka drew one of the iconic pictures of the yeshiva, of a guy like walking up to the, this space medrash, and he has like attached to his heart, he has strings to his feet, and his heart pulls his feet up to the base medrash. At that point that you've identified, I'm a Ben Tyra. I love this song we sing, I know Abdul the Kuchabrechu. I like igniting the sense I'm a Ben Taira. At the point I'm a Ben Taira, so then, so then the, all the activities, I, 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 I have an identity, I conquered my heart and my mind. Nasa Kalalechas, I'm not flipping anywhere. I'm going Nasa Pashat easily and instinctively and quite naturally because my heart actually carries my feet. It's a tool, it's a weapon that could, be, that could and should be used in many aspects of our life. Being misplaced in what I see myself, identity, what I want to be, and their activities, it could be through a song, their activities to excite your heart, your mind, to engage and embrace in. Ironically, instead of the guy, I just need more patience, and he's like fighting himself, he can at night stare at his kids after his kids sleeping, and he does, then the next day his patience won't be fighting himself. He's like re, he's recommitted to this deep mission of raising a beautiful family, and there are activities to be done to harness and to conquer his mind and heart, which makes the other things much more natural and they flow instinctively from there. That's this Nasa Kalaleches, this iconic picture that Yehuda Krupka drew that I wanted to share with the Hebrew Yashkoi Chabay. So let's go to second Seder.